What's up, guys? This is Matt. Uh, welcome back to episode five of Continuing the Conversation uh, for the Brotherhood Podcast. Um, we just appreciate you guys supporting. We encourage you guys to share it. Um, but first, first and foremost, the one thing I want to hit on is August nineteenth is our next breakfast. <clears throat> we have somebody speaking who hasn't who hasn't spoke is a, is a good friend of mine. He's going to kill it, and he's going to be talking about a topic that is. Um, uh, more prevalent than well, we know how prevalent it is, but we, we kind of pretend that it's not, and it's just something that's um, that that kills marriages, that kills our purpose, that kills our fire. And I think the th- scariest thing about it is, especially for those who have kids, or if you're young yourself, it's um, it can damage your perspective on what real relationships look like. And um, so yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be heavy, um, but it's gonna be real. And that's August 19th. And so there's going to be a link in the description. And so I'm just going to give a five-second moment of silence here in a second so you guys can click on the description and register. I, don't be like me and register a couple days before, but let's just try to register. Register now for August 19th. And the main, the, the, other, the other big thing here is we had 85 men or so there last Friday. Uh, we'd love to have more, but the, it's actually going to be free. So the, the breakfast will be free. So we need you to register to know how much food we're going to have. Um, but for those of you who are in F3, uh, come after your workouts. For those who, before work, it's a perfect thing. Uh, just for men, just breathing, just breathing fire um, and striving for something greater. Um, so go ahead and go ahead and register for that. And if those of you who aren't local, uh, we're obviously going to recap it with the speaker that following, that following week too. Secondly, and then we'll hop into it, is there's a new email for Brotherhood at uh, brotherhood at covenant.cc. This is something that um, we've put out there for men just as an additional resource. If there's someone you see that you, you hear that we're speaking to that it maybe relates to your pain, relates to your struggle, um, that you want to reach out, um, it's completely anonymous, or if you just want prayers or whatever it is, it's, again, even if those of you aren't local, um, just a way to connect and uh, to drive us further along. So this week, we have Jay Buckingham. Most of you guys know him, uh, aka Padre. And uh, but Jay, uh, just give everyone a little brief introduction on yourself and how long you've been at Covenant. Okay, sure. So I have been now at Covenant sixteen years, mm-hmm. and so I came sixteen years ago to start a small group uh, ministry system, and uh, so I've been working that primarily uh, congregational care. It's always a part of that, mm-hmm. and so I've been doing that. And now, most recently, I've been uh, moved down to Washington as the campus pastor down there at the Washington campus. Okay, is that small group thing the same thing you were refer- uh, referring to on your on your talk? The small group system you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's yeah. a perfect tie-in. So give everyone to, just to walk through kind of that story you told on okay. Friday and and how and how it ties in. Okay. I'll try to keep this somewhat brief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I've always felt like uh, my calling in ministry is discipleship. So I always felt like the best tool to, for discipleship has been small groups. Now, you can use other tools, other ways to do it, but the best and most effective has been small groups. So this church came on my radar screen in probably about 1995 that had 200 small groups and they were averaging about 4,500 people. And um, and I watched them over about eight years go to 1,000 small groups, and they were averaging 10,000 people. So it was the first system of small groups that I had seen that it grew with the church as the church grew. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. My ministry in San Diego kind of came to an end in 2003. I was pastoring a church, pastored it for about 12 and a half years. 
And previous to that, I'd been on staff at a, at a larger church um, where John Maxwell was the pastor. So I worked for John for five years. So kind of a high, a high spiritual place to be. And uh, then I found myself resigned from my church and not really sure what I was going to do. Mm. And what I wanted to do was to go to this church that I'd seen grow their small group system and learn about that system and then be able to implement it. So I ended up calling up the pastor of that church, 10,000 people, and he called me back and told him what I wanted to do. And they didn't have... I really wanted to create this a place where I could come learn. Yeah. And so I called it an internship. Uh, they didn't have an internship. Right. I just created it. Sounds it. like you're just volunteering. I'm just volunteering, <laughs> right? But I, but there was a purpose. Yeah, I, right. There's something very specific I wanted out of it. Right. And so I called him up, told him, and anyway, long story short, we ended up in Colorado Springs and uh, going to this church, creating this internship for myself. But I needed to work. And um, I didn't want to use up all our equity after riding the... Uh, real estate wave of Southern California for 17 mm -hmm. years. I could have. Right. I could have just sat back and we just used up all our money and and done what we wanted, you know, just I didn't have to work. But I really felt like I needed to work. I couldn't find a job that would allow me to do the internship the way I wanted to do it. So I ended up going to this one employer that was always advertising in the paper, and it was a five-star, five-diamond hotel called the Broadmoor. And I got a job as a doorman. Now, a doorman is a glorified valet. I just got to unload people's stuff. And not long after I started that job, I was unloading people's stuff, and I realized, wow, I've gone from the mountain to the valley. Hmm. And um, just emotionally, not spiritually necessarily, but just emotionally, um, positionally, I was, I was, you know, pastoring, and now I'm unloading people's, all their stuff onto a cart, working for $3 an hour, basically, and tips. It's like, wow, Lord, you've you've taken me to the top, down to the bottom. It's kind of crazy. As a pastor, too, I think almost you kind of help people unload their stuff, too, even it, as a pastor. True, you true. Know? Yeah, so there is a, I was there just is thinking a, about that. Yeah, there's some similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> not to get cheesy on you, but yeah. what makes you want to, what made you want to go that route? I mean, what, what, obviously you're passionate about it because you left your other place where you were getting paid to go have an internship to, to learn. But what makes you, I'm just, I mean, it's something I've been thinking about. What makes you even so passionate about that in the first place? Well, I think the, well, like it goes back to just kind of my calling, which is helping people grow, you know, the foundation of discipleship. Right. And so I've always been driven by that. I've always felt like, um, that the uh, the call the call I've had in my life is to establish people in their faith and to equip them to minister to others. Right. So that has been the foundation. In fact, when I was at church with John Maxwell, my role was I was the men's discipleship pastor. Of course, I was only twenty six, right, right, right. <laughs> newly married, didn't have any kids, and I'm trying to lead sixty year old men in in discipleship. But that was that was my role, right, and uh, did that for five years. Uh, there. And so I've always been about trying to establish and equip people. Since when? Since before I went into the ministry. Really? Before I went to seminary. Um, and fortunately, when I got saved, I got to go to this church, it's called Skyline Church, that was doing that, even uh -huh. as a 15-year-old. 
and we used small groups yeah. as as the vehicle. Yeah. And so I, I got pulled right into it right from the very beginning of my my faith journey and recognized without that, I would have been lost. Without that discipleship, without people pouring in and investing mm. in me, without the groups of people that I was around and got to be connected to, I, I'm not sure I would have made it. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm passionate about that uh, for other people. Dang, that's good. So what? Um, one thing I was thinking about, and so you mentioned just how hard it was to be a doorman. How long were you a doorman for? I ended up doing that job almost three years. So take me to like the hardest moment of, in that. Like, did you start to, I mean, truly question kind of what the whole, or maybe try to find a whole other job to begin with, leave leave uh, ministry? Did you ever have any of those kind of thoughts? Um, I no, I'd never had any thoughts of, I, I just need to leave the ministry. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that's the whole reason we went there was to get equipped from right. this church. Right. And uh, so I was kind of, I always stayed focused on that. The... Um, the uh the 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 hard well the the thing that I needed to get into place was the work schedule lined up so I could do the internship right so at one point I went to my boss and I volunteered I said look I'll, I will work these three shifts and one of them was Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. the worst shift in the whole place mm-hmm. and uh and and but I was willing to do that because it would allow me to do the internship. And fortunately, my boss just looked at me and he said, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Let me rework your schedule. And so he reworked my schedule to be the best possible schedule I could ever even imagine. And that's where I talk about just having the favor of God, even in the midst of these, these, this seemingly that looked like it would be a desert time, but God was there. He was providing, and he provided through, through a man who... Um, was was an alcoholic, and yet I had favor with him, right? Which I shouldn't have, right? And he gave me he gave me a schedule that was unprecedented, and they had never given a schedule like that to a doorman before, right? And they gave that to me. So the other thing I thought about is your title that you gave was contentment. Yeah. Um, did you feel like you struggled with? I'm also interested in the definition too. But do you feel like you struggle with contentment during that time at all, or no? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think the, the point of contentment is wherever you are, uh, that's where the Lord has you, and you got to work hard. You, mm. you, you Do your work. Do the right things, and be at peace with that, because that's where the Lord has you. I agree. And so how, how do you even define... Because I, I want to take this a little further. So how do you even yeah. define contentment? Contentment, to me, I guess, would just... To just use another word would just to, to be at peace with yourself and to be at peace with God mm. and to be at peace with your circumstances. Right. And, and so I had to come to that place. Do you think it's the same thing as happiness? I don't think it's the same thing as happiness because happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. Mm. So it's in spite of your circumstances. So that might go to more of a joy, just being a, a, being joyful or being an, or thankful uh, in the moment, um, not dependent upon circumstances, because our circumstances rise and fall. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> truly, right. mine rose and fall. Right. But can I stay consistent in my relationship with the Lord, and um, and be at peace with Him? And so that was, I don't think I ever lost that. Um, it was just, it was just this stark. Valley to me that hit me from the high to that valley of that right, low. Right, right. Yeah. And I, the reason I asked that too is because as, as I've thought about contentment since you talked, 
I think, you know, if you're a guy and you, and you have the job you wanted or you have healthy kids that you've been wanting, a healthy family and, 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 a, and a good wife, I think men, and even speaking for myself, I think struggle more with contentment mm. in that. Uh, I think there's harder, it's harder to find contentment at the destination versus the journey. Mm. Um, and I remember yeah. when Chad, was it Chad Williams? Yeah. Gave that talk as a Navy SEAL and he yeah. would want to be a Navy SEAL for the longest time. And I can't remember how long the journey was to get there, but I remember when he said he was finally um, became a Navy SEAL, he turned into a pretty massive alcoholic mm. because once he got to that pinnacle, he was he kind of looked around and he's like, this is pretty lonely and you you don't have anything else you're, you're chasing yeah. per se. yeah. yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I just think I think can that contentment, especially in this culture we live in, and we we have we live in a, a great country, and they're very comfortable. And I think that can be a really big struggle to get contentment. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think so too. If if we're wrapped up into uh, what the culture says, who we should be and what we should have. Yeah, you know, if we're wrapped up into that, then um, we're going to always be striving and never arriving. And so, so we got to be careful uh, that we don't get tapped into uh, that stream of culture that's pulling us away from the Lord, and um, and that's why Christianity's always been counterculture. It's always been Jesus was counterculture. It's what got him crucified, mm. and and so our faith, our hope, is not found in what the culture says, but it's but it's found in Christ. And I love that. And the thing is, is there's never really, well, there is eventually a destination, but there's never really a destination of arrival in the Christianity Christianity worldview. Right. It's, I think it's kind of the same, I think it's kind of the same beauty of, I don't know, how long have you been a Christian? You said you're when you're 15 years old. Oh gosh, 15, you're, gonna tip yeah. off, you're gonna tip off your age here. Yeah, 49 <laughs> years, 50 <laughs> yeah. years. And I've, I've been one for three years. Okay. And I think that's the beauty of it is we can have this conversation Yeah. It, and there's no... There's no, there's no hierarchy here. It's right. just there's no because there's no destination, right? Um, and I think that's what I definitely think that's what helps with. Contentment. I think the other thing, just to throw this in. I, I think the challenge is the hap- that I see happen with a lot of people is they start out well, mm. but um, it's the finishing, which is the is the key point. Mm. Uh, one of our F three guys says it doesn't matter. Nobody cares what you can do when you're fresh. Mm. It's what can you do when you're tired. Yeah. Right, it's it's not just starting out. We can start out like a bullet. Yep. But it's really it's finding the ways to keep that journey going to to finish well. That's so good. And I, uh, there's a uh, book by Cam Haynes, Endure. That's a relatively newer book, and he talks about it too. Um, not necessarily from a he is a Christian, but it's not necessarily from a Christian worldview. But he talks about taking your mind to those dark places, in terms of. When things get hard, when you are a doorman at a hotel, when you were a pastor leading a, a church here, or um, you know you're stumbling your marriage and you're hitting rock bottom, or shoot, if you're just in the middle of a workout and you're trying to push yourself mentally, get your mind in those dark places. Mm-hmm. That's where you find out who what you really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus versus anything else. Um. What are your so then? How do you? How do you fight, or you may, we mentioned tools and contentment. How do you fight that to to stay mm. and remain content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how it kind of the bigger question is how do you fight getting caught up into the culture? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's really what it is. Right. And so that's why 
I'm, I'm a big proponent of small groups because you've got to be around Christian guys who, who are also being pulled, but you can come back and anchor them and anchor each other and say, you know, that, that's not necessarily what our call is. Our, our call is to go in and make disciples and, and just pull back. Now, when we're isolated, and we're alone. Um, I don't. You, I don't think. I don't give you a lot of hope when when you're isolated like that because you're going to get pulled yep. back into the culture. No doubt about it. Um, and that's why we we have got to have each other. That's why we got to have you know with all all the differences of churches and stuff like that. We we got to have a, a place to go where we have like minded people who can encourage us and and help us. So going off small groups, what do you think the main hesitancy is to join a small group? Oh, there's probably several hesitancies. I think one is is there a person might get exposed what they know or they don't know. And so they're that they don't want to they don't want to have to do that. Instead of just coming and being be yourself and nobody expects anything, but they have that expectation. I gotta know a certain amount of stuff. I think that would be mm. one probably that would keep people uh, people out. Um, another one that, you know, just, just all the, all these things of life think I don't have time, you know, um, uh, that might be another issue. Um, uh, I, I, you know, another one is just, I don't want to be, you know, I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I might have to (laughs) reveal something about myself that either I haven't worked through myself or, you know, I'm still gonna have to reveal something about myself and I don't want anybody to know this. Um, man, I think that is, I think that last one, especially for men, yeah. uh, in my very novice opinion, I think that is the, one of the biggest thing for men where we'll trip up. Um, and I remember talking to somebody, they, they tripped up, made a, made a mistake. And I was like, well, you got to tell your, you're going to tell your wife. And, um, he said, no, I'll never tell my wife. I'll mm-hmm. never tell her. And I'm just like, it's not for me, obviously, to judge, but it breaks my heart because that that withholding that it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just not. It just doesn't just disappear. It it manifests itself, and I even put down here as this thing in contentment cores. It manifests it manifests itself in the way we may pursue jobs, the way we may look at social mm-hmm. media, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you add add to this, but maybe we shop, drugs, alcohol, or that's that comparison in. And I can speak this firsthand. When you get that out, but you don't want to. But men, we want to bury it and kind of put out this image that we're way tougher than we actually are. Right. But when you get it out, it is one of the most liberating things. Yes. And I think small groups is like the perfect avenue. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't want you to think about well, that. Well, I think it's incredibly liberating uh, because you you take the mask off. Yeah. Right. You don't you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to 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 look a certain way. I, I think that's the problem in our in our uh, culture, uh, especially here in the South. Is is we 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 we're concerned what we look like culturally to people. Why is that? I think it's leftover implications from just. Growing up in the church, and mm. um, uh, instead of the emphasis being on your heart and your heart change, your relationship, the emphasis became on behavior and um, what can be seen. Is, is so, if your behavior is good, everything's good. If it's not, then and so it's just it gets all wrapped up into our our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost. I mean, 
and I'm guilty of this too, is like trying to put on a front for some, to be somebody I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I think it's almost one of the worst costumes you can probably put, put on. Um, yeah, I agree. Because I think everyone kind of will morph into it too, and also be like, "Okay, well, he's got it. He's got his kind of plate of armor on to not be vulnerable." Then I'm going to put mine on too, and I think we all kind of, I think yeah. we all kind of do the same thing. And the reality is, we are actually. I mean, a lot of people can actually see past that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I mean. Right. It's the worst costume. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's a terrible costume. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, one thing I want to uh, at least add on as we, as we kind of close up too is you, you did have scripture, uh, Timothy uh, chapter six, verse six, and I thought this was really good is, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think the way it starts off, it says with God, godliness with contentment. Mm-hmm. And we had this talk, um, uh, Robbie and I too was talking about contentment. I don't think you can have true contentment without God. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that's where you go to happiness. Mm, um, right. And like right. you said, that's pretty fleeting. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if you have anything to add there, but I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good scripture you had in there. Yeah, because our our contentment has to be founded in 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 the Lord, because there's nothing in our culture today that's going to um, make us content or give us contentment. We're always going to want the next thing. We're always going to want more. Correct. And that's, yeah. And like I said, I just think, I think when you, when you speak to contentment, I think contentment too is just so hard to find when culturally you have no reason to not be content. You know, you have a house, you have a family, you have your, your physical condition, you have everything. That is, I think the hardest to find contentment when you have every reason to have it. So... Um, is there anything else you wanted to? What else you want? Anything else to add as we close up shop? Um, I think the other, just the other kind of uh, concept to think about, I think, is um, this whole idea of at times in our lives, the Lord's probably going to ask us, or, or might ask us, to take two steps back. You know, for whatever mountain you're on, I'm going to come back, and and so you can eventually go further. And uh, but it looks like when you do that, it looks like failure. Mm. Or it looks like, um, what's wrong with you? People are going to question you. But if you know that's what the Lord's calling you to do, then you can do it. Mm. And and you're doing it for a reason because you know it's going to allow you to go uh, much further right. uh, in your ministry or in your work or whatever it is. So don't be afraid of doing that either. That's so good. I think, too, is you're, if you're taking a step back, too, you're, you're still taking a step towards and away from something. Yeah. Versus I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, too, sometimes I'm just existing I'm not really walking to anything or from anything. I'm just sort of mundanely here, and so I—that's that's good stuff. Two steps, two steps back for sure. Um, well, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks um, you coming on. Yeah, and uh, as we close up too, the one thing I would say is that, that Jay, I think, hit is find some, find a brother, find somebody, uh, another guy in your life. Um, maybe they're maybe they're um, spiritually uh, a mentor or in your professional life, but find someone you can you can relate your pain, your struggles with, and just be real with. And that small group doesn't have to be anything formal, I don't think. I mean, certainly we encourage it, but I think it can be just in, just as informal as can be. Um, just comes down to vulnerability and just being, just being real. Um, but yeah, and so August 19th, uh, register, free breakfast, um, and just a, a killer speaker coming in too. So uh, appreciate you guys joining. Hope you guys uh, enjoy it, share it, subscribe it, and we'll see you guys next time.